Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you here with us. Today we got myself, Logan, and Rob here in the office. Good afternoon. Just the two of us. Yeah. We're doing an afternoon version again that's always... It's not late afternoon. We didn't stop and like do lunch (laughs) in between Serving Club and this, so I'm calling it it still like normal-ish. Yeah, we will probably press things along quickly because we're both hungry. I got the rumblies in my tumbly. <laughs> By tumbly, I mean my tummy. Yeah. Uh, I need to go feed feed my stomach. Um, I might like wither away and that would be a travesty. That would be horrible for the world. Yes. If don't, I don't shriveled wither. up. Don't shrivel. No be, shriveling on my watch. That would be just terrible. Just <laughs> terrible. Oh, man. Oh, geez. All right. Let's start with uh, first off. Was there? Did we decide? Did I? Did I screw anything up shortcoming wise? I don't remember uh, any shortcomings. I'm I trying to remember. For the I... most part, it was pretty good. Uh, I ran a little bit shorter than I had practiced, which I intended to. Um, so I did forget a couple of things that I was going to talk about. In fact, that the the unsaid implication number four, that was going to fall before the implications. You know, I thought that was perfect. You know, I thought it was a great it, implication. What was the unsaid implication? It was that we needed to wrestle with stuff in community because yeah. Paul, like Paul's writing this letter to a community of people, and and all of this stuff. If we don't wrestle with it in community, it's not gonna. We're not gonna get the same thing out of it. Right. Um, right. Which, as I was rehearsing it, it just popped into my head. I was like, "Oh, yeah, no, I need to say that. Like this, that's important." And then I like. Because I, I, I say things that trigger me. That's how I, I remember what I'm going to say is I have trigger words and I'll put bullet points on my notes, right? And like, oh, I'm going to say this phrase and then that pushes the snowball down the mountainside. Well, since I didn't write that one down in my notes, I didn't have whatever triggered me the first time. Sure. And it didn't trigger it when it I normally thought I would put it. So it triggered it at the end. Something in that last implication, the what are you grasping at, triggered. I was like, oh, no, I need, I need to talk about that still. Like, ah, hang on, we're not done yet. That was a great implication um, that you so, came up with on the fly, so I loved it. Yeah, so uh, that was, it, you know, for my myself, it didn't fall where I intended it to, but apparently it fell where the Spirit wanted it to. We're going to blame it on that. We're going we're gonna to say that that's, uh, that's what happened there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Pull that one out. Uh, so your shortcomings this week are no shortcomings and way to trust the Holy Spirit. I like I, it. I guess. I mean, yeah. psh, dude, I'm so humble. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So oh. good. Oh. Well, I did have... Uh, we had a little, you could hear it at the beginning of the recording. We were having issues getting it through the sound system. It was picking me up on the recording, but it wasn't picking it up through the main system right there at the very beginning. Right. Yeah. Which I, I hacked off the most of that bit, but yeah, I don't know, whatever. Maybe I pressed a button wrong or something. That's uh, always possible. It's it's very possible. Yeah. There's a lot of buttons and I am random. Uh, so with that said, Let's uh let's talk discipleship moment. 
of the week. Da 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 da. Bump. Yeah, that used to be a shortcoming bump. So we just <laughs> no. Uh, that was uh, na 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 I think didn't. Hmm. The and da 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 bump. That's Mario. So don't sue me, Nintendo. I'm gonna call that our shortcoming of the week that we don't have real bumps. <laughs> you know, I got a couple other things so going on for the discipleship moment of the week. I want to talk about implication number three, which is, uh, are you what are you grasping for in your life, humility or glory? And as I read that question, I just got to thinking that that's a great discipleship question because sometimes we could. Be a little too surfacey, you know. Ask, we'll ask questions that are important questions, but they just kind of skim the surface. Like, are you reading your Bible? Um, are you Are you praying? Yeah. Uh, did you make it the care group? Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you make it the care group this week? Those are good questions. Uh, we make well, it a checklist. Right. That's the That's the danger. Is we have these things that we want to make a checklist, and we don't leave space a lot of times. And a lot of times, and those are what we'd call uh, closed-ending questions. The the answer is yes or no. Did you read your Bible this week? Yes. Yes. Did you pray this week? Not enough. Not enough. And and so conversation doesn't really come out of those closed-ended questions. It's the open-ended questions where where the breadth of conversation is wide open. Yeah. Um, So what are you grasping for? In your life, this is really getting to the nitty gritty of of who the person is, um, what's driving them, and you know, discipleship needs to impact how we work, where we work, who we work for, relationships, family, culture. How do we engage with all of these? Uh, how do you act in stressful situations? How is the gospel impacting your worldview? Like it really needs to go much deeper and needs to be much more intimate and and not follow a strict checklist like like you mentioned. Sure, and there's there's nothing wrong with the checklist. The checklist is good. It's helpful. But on top of the checklist, the next the next step is to ask these open ended questions that are gonna it's gonna take you to a deeper place in your relationship with the person, and you're gonna be able to have conversations that are gonna get more to the heart of the matter. Right. As opposed to just dealing with the surface level um, symptoms, if you will, in a lot of ways. Uh, so for example, the, for example, the, you know, accountability questions, you can word them like, are you staying away from smoking this week? Right. Say you're holding somebody accountable for, you know, giving up smoking. Are you staying away from cigarettes this week? Well, that's Absolutely. a yes or a no. Right. Well, if you rephrase that question and you say, you know, maybe uh, did you have any times during this week where you were struggling with that? Or, I mean, that's still a yes or no. But if it's a yes, then you can follow up on it. Right. Um, what you know, kinds when, of triggers? When was that? You know, what was triggering that? Yeah. What kind it's of triggers the, did you deal with this when it comes yep. to smoking? And and so you, now you start dealing with r- real heart level issues that um, get into why a person wants to smoke. Mm-hmm. And you pick a good one too because my dad was a recovering alcoholic, but he also smoked for twenty years. And he said giving up smoking was way harder because it was a part of 
his he would smoke all day long. So there were so many things throughout his day that would remind him to... Hey, I need a cigarette. Hey, right. I need a cigarette. Hey, I need a cigarette. Right. Yep. And so if, I'm, if you're holding somebody accountable, you know, let's say for pornography, um, usually there's a thousand steps that lead a person to revert back to pornography if they're trying to abstain from it. Sure. There's a thousand steps before they actually get to the pornography. And and are you addressing some of those heart-level issues? That Figuring out the triggers, figuring out why you're, like, what's the desire behind that? Sure. All of this stuff comes from these open-ended, deeper questions. Yeah. 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 I also feel like these kinds of questions that we're talking about bring about a mutuality to where it's a it's a really a two-way conversation mm-hmm. if you're not willing to share the things that you are grasping for and in what ways and shape and form that you struggle in your relationship with God then asking other people if you're if you're being surface level if you're showing a surface level, approach to discipleship that's probably what you can get out of the people you're discipling yeah yeah and especially if you're if you're the person who is doing the discipling you're kind of the you've been further along the path you have to model it you have to model the transparency and the vulnerability if you want them to to have the same and you know express that so yeah what i see in philippians one and we'll talk more about this in the sermon is that Paul was dependent upon uh, the people he's writing to. There was, their prayers mattered to his world. Their support mattered to him. And so um, we, we just see this mutuality taking place in this discipleship relationship with the Philippian church. Nice. So that's our discipleship moment of the week. What's the bump song again? Bump, Love it. It, it. That can't be the bump song. <laughs> <laughs> it's breaking so much copyright. <laughs> That's our unbump song. That's our unofficial bump song until you know Logan gets bored and makes a bump song. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, next topic up for debate. Well, not really up for debate. This is more of just more information. Footnotes fodder. Because we want to lay down, I did, like I said, I, sh- I cut things a little bit shorter than I was running them. Uh, you're welcome, for those of you that were sitting in there. Made up for the week prior when uh, I preached. Yeah, made it, yeah, I was just trying <laughs> to keep our average on average, making up for that long-winded Rob Croyle, the ancient of days. Uh, we were all feeling ancient after he got done preaching. It was fine. <laughs> Arthritis had kicked in. <laughs> For people that had no no arthritis when they started. I needed to go get a haircut afterwards, and I just <laughs> shaved my head bald. It was terrible. <laughs> it's not true. I'm not bald uh, yet. So wanted to throw out some more context for the city of Philippi. Uh, just a little historical fun facts about Philippi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was located on a major Roman road known as the Via Ignatia. I'm probably saying that wrong. And it was a leading city in the district of Macedonia in a Roman colony. I mentioned that I mentioned a thing about taxes. And I think I put a question mark at the end of that. Like 
and they didn't have to pay taxes? Because I, I was seeing some stuff on that. They were exempt. I, I clarified this. They were exempt on some taxes. Hmm. It was kind of a, uh, like, hey, let's get people living here. They were exempt from some Roman taxes. So that's kind of super cool. Greek was widely spoken, 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 spoken because the Romans took it over from the Greeks. Uh, however, it was intended to be a Roman colony. Philippi was intended to be a miniature version of Rome. However, the Roman character of the city did not erase the previously existing Greek Hellenistic culture. Uh, as the lingua franca of the empire, Greek was widely spoken. Many of the Greeks and, Th- and Thracians in the area who were displaced by newly settled Romans remained in the area. So they just kind of got pushed out. Apparently, Witherington, this guy's quoting him, sums it up well when he writes, we must then talk about a Roman overlay of culture and custom on top of the indigenous Greek Hellenistic culture, which still continued in various ways. So fun facts there. Fun facts. They don't really know a ton about Philippi during the Roman era. There's actually not a ton of information about this, uh, which is curious. That is they, very they know, curious. They know quite a bit about stuff before it, right? But there's like this kind of this kind of gap there um, where the Christianity comes, in. and then Christianity does explode there, and it it becomes kind of a big thing there, and then we know more history from that. But there's kind of this little blank area that kind of falls around when Paul might have been there. And did you mention Sunday that there was no synagogue, or we suspect there's no I, synagogue? I mentioned that there wasn't a lot of Jewish there. Right. And there there wasn't a synagogue. And one they, of the reasons why we know that is in Acts chapter 16, mm-hmm. when the Apostle Paul, he is there uh, just before he converts his first converts, which these were the first European converts, by the way, um, I think the lady's name was Lydia. Yes, you're correct. Yeah, they they ended up finding Lydia, who was once again probably a God fearer, Theosebes, down by the river. Down by the river. Down by the river. But instead of going to the synagogue on Sabbath, mm-hmm. they go down by the river. Yeah. Now, uh, overall size of the city. Uh, Estimates must be tenuous at best, this article says. Mm. A safe estimate is 10,000 to 15,000. A vast majority of that population would have consisted of slaves, service providers, and peasant farmers. Wow. Okay. So not a super rich area. Uh, It's on kind of a trade route, so stuff does go through. It's not terribly, like, desolate in the middle of nowhere, but not a huge booming metropolis by any means. Well, and what I read, the reason why the Romans settled there was when Octavian and another general, when they conquered Philippi, they they really come to the end of needing their large army. Yep. They didn't yep. want to take the army back to Rome because having a large standing army in the city is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a bunch of guys, a bunch of soldiers get bored. They kind of want to start a ruckus. And, and so so they they left them there. They left the army there, which is why you have this yeah, they mixture did what they called, of uh, Roman and Greek. They did a, a land grant um, to 
these retired, thus retiring. So military veterans and their families would have uh, comprised an important minority within the population because they would have been well, you know, if it's poor, poor farming community, uh, the kind of wealthier retiring military would have been kind of the well-to-dos. Right. And they had been given land grant as the army had rolled through there. And so they were like, here, you get this chunk of land, blah, blah, blah. So uh, the percentage of that population, though, that was that was the soldiers could have been quite small, uh, perhaps even lo- as low as 3%. Uh, that's, once again, a lot of speculation here because they don't hmm. know a ton of the uh, history from there. Uh, other people say that Roman uh, citizens, population of the uh, percent of the population that was Roman citizens could have been uh, 40%, while 60% were non-citizens who were largely Greek speakers. So they do mention a lot of the, you know, it's, it, this would have set up that they're worshiping Caesar. Um, there was also mention of a uh, an imperial cult, uh, but that doesn't really, there's not a lot of substance to that. Even within this, not a lot of substance to any of this stuff. There's very little for this imperial cult to be a thing. But there are, there are some people that are very dogmatic that that was going on there. Um, the final issue that this guy deals with was the Jews. Um, Luke refers to a place of prayer in Acts 6.13 instead of a synagogue. Oh, wow. So they go to a place of prayer instead of the synagogue. Which so, which makes sense. If if uh, Lydia was a Theosebes, then she would gather where the gathering, whatever the gathering looked like. Yeah, yeah. And, now, and buy a body of water, that kind of makes sense from the standpoint that if you're going to do any kind of cere- anything ceremonially... You do mikvahs or mikvah, yeah, mikvah washings. Yeah. yeah, you'd need the, the living water. Now, what we can get from that is that the Jewish population is exceedingly small because it only takes 10 Jewish men to form a synagogue. So that was the number. You needed to have 10 Jewish men to form a synagogue. Well, if they were also very, if it was a very poor location, they may not have had the funds to... Sure. And I don't know. I I wonder what that would look like. Um, That's an interesting question now uh what their their devotion to torah was significant mm-hmm. and so i imagine that regardless of finances you know there would be a strong desire to um establish a synagogue if they could so oh yeah well and and the thing when in, in luke says in acts that they uh, Paul and his companions spoke to the women who had assembled alongside the river. Mm. Makes no mention of men. Yeah. So, like, there's very... And could have been maybe maybe there's some Jewish women, but there's no Jewish men there, or there's not enough, or who, who really knows? We don't... Right. This is a lot of speculation here. Yeah. But what we do know is there is not a heavy Jewish population. Gotcha. Could be they're all God-fearers, all Theosebes. Um, could be that, because then I don't know if they would make their own synagogue, or if you were a proper Theosebes, you'd be like, yeah, no, we can't actually do that because we're not full-fledged Jew. 
or I don't there, know. Or there was some historical event that took place that we're just unaware of. Sure. I, it could be. But there was not a lot of Jewish going on there. Yeah. So there's some tasty footnotes. 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 Wow. I got food, food on the brain. Food notes. Uh, footnotes for the city of Philippi. Pressing on so we could get to lunch. Oh, man. I'm starving <laughs> now. We talked longer on that than, than I intended to. We're just... Them's tasty footnotes, though. Tasty. So, uh, yeah, that should... That, I think the more we know about this, the better we're going to understand this book. And Probably the more bet. interesting we're going to find this. The next thing that we wanted to talk about was humility the word. And I mentioned this in the sermon because as I was researching stuff and putting things together, I stumbled into this and I was having a ball with this because there's there's a lot of good stuff when you do word searches and understand where our words come from and why they chose, maybe why they chose that. Because our words change shape over time, right? Um, if you, you used, uh, oh, Nope, nope, we're not going to use that example because I'm not going to say that on the podcast. Never mind. I'm not going to use that. But uh, on there's a comedy special on Netflix with Aziz Azari or whatever, and he talks about this a little bit. So if you're interested in what I was about to say, you can go look that up. Um, <laughs> and it involves a word that means being cheap, but sounds different. So there you go. Uh, but we're going to talk about the word humility. So humility is the quality of being humble. Dictionary definitions accentuate. I'm getting this from Wikipedia. This is all you got to do. This is. I'm not a genius. Humility is a low self-regard and sense of unworthiness. Okay, so we think of humility as low sense of self-regard and unworthiness in our kind of society today. Now, obviously, there's a lot of religious uh, connotations for humility. A lot of different religions involve that term or some term of that. But the term humility comes from a Latin word, humilitas, a noun related to the adjective hum- humilias, humilis, ooh, my Latin, not polished, mm. which may be translated as humble, but also as grounded or from the earth, since it derives from humus, earth. So there you go. Gotcha. So we're, it's not necessarily unworthy, but it definitely has this like lowering yourself sort of sense. Um, word humble might be related to feudal England where the lowest cuts of meat or umbles, that is to say whatever was left over when the upper class had taken their crap that they wanted, uh, were provided to the lowest class of citizen. Thus, we get the term humble pie. Gotcha. The more you know. Right? I love this stuff. This is fascinating. And by pie, you don't mean pie. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could do a meat pie. Meat pies are delicious. Mm. But it's more like what we'd call a turnover. Gotcha. Most of the time. Mm. I am so hungry right now. (laughs) That is... (laughs) Perfect. Why did I start talking about pie? Uh, but some commentary, religious views of humility. This is where the Wikipedia page... I was like, wait, what? They have this here? You just got to dig into this stuff. Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs states that in Judaism, humility is an appreciation of oneself, one's talents, skills, and virtues. Does that sound... That sounds completely different than I have no self-worth. So, like a so low read that sense again. Of worth. It is an appreciation of oneself, 
one's talents, skills, and virtues. It is not meekness or self-depreciating thought, but the effacing of oneself to something higher. That's almost like the opposite of what I was picturing with the low sense of, you know, low mm. sense sense of, of low self-worth. Yeah. Like this is yeah. completely different the way that they're looking at this. Um <clears throat> another rabbi here discusses that humility is to place others first. It is to appreciate others' worth as important. Yep. That's not saying that you're not, it's putting others above yourself, which completely nails what Jesus is doing. Right. <clears throat> Absolutely. Like, yeah. He's like, I'm the son of God. He never stops claiming that. No. But he's like, I'm not too good to wash your feet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, that's such a... And compare that to what we get in Christianity today when we talk about humility or humbling yourself or anything like that. I Many, many sermons I have heard where, you know, it's the hellfire and brimstone and you're a dirty, dirty, rotten sinner and, you know, just a terrible sinner in the hands of a big, mean God, right? And that's mm. completely not what they're looking at it like. Like, this is, that's... Yeah. It's such a, a twisted lens to view this stuff through. Well, so I, I don't know where I got this definition... Uh, it's kind of a working definition, and I'm not cl- I'm not claiming that I've created this, but I believe humility has three aspects to it. One, it's a proper understanding of who God is. Mm-hmm. Two, it's a proper un- understanding of who God created me to be. And three, it's a proper understanding of who God created the people around me to be. Yeah, and seeing seeing people. Seeing God in the right light, seeing people in the right light, seeing myself in the right light, and understanding what those relationships well, and that, mean. That allows you, because you, you start with that. You see God in the right light, yourself in the right light, others in the right light. And then you can say, well, I see that you have worth, so I'm not going to lord over you. right. Even right. if I am above you, even if I am your boss, I'm not going to treat you as a lesser human being. And that's where you can see the humility. Yeah. If you have a boss that is humble, if that's perspective that you have of your boss, it's because they see the value and worth that is in you and treats you with that innate sure. value and worth that you are designed with. And so, yeah, I think to say it's succinctly, humility is the ability to see God, ourselves, and others in their proper design. Yeah. So, I like, it, getting that proper view on what humility is, and we're probably going to talk about this multiple times throughout the sermon series because, like, like I said on Sunday, Philippians has these themes running through it, Joy, big theme running through it. Right. Humility, possibly a bigger theme running through it. Yep. And maybe the two might be tied together. Possibly. So maybe. we hint, see hint. this lived out. So Philippians 2, 6, and 7 tells you how Jesus took humility on. Uh, it, it says, who, though he was 
in the form of God did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptying, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And it's it's interesting because there's a couple Greek words here that are that are play. It says that Jesus was in the form of God and he took the form of a servant, but he was born in the likeness of men, which which they use a different Paul uses a different Greek word there. Hmm. So the uh Well, I'll just read this commentary. Um, some scholars suggest that Christ being in the form of God alludes to Adam being formed in God's image. Unlike Adam, who being human sought divinity, Jesus being deity relinquished his rightful position of honor. Mm. Even more to the point here is that the Jewish text described divine wisdom as the perfect archetypal image of God. Uh, form of a servant, although this phrase parallels likeness. Uh, the servant, and then and then says the servant of Isaiah fifty three also was poured out or emptied himself, though not in our incarnation, but in death. So some interesting thoughts here, connecting Jesus both to Adam in Genesis. And to the suffering servant, you know, mm-hmm. in Isaiah 53 and the other passages that you mentioned there. Um, the word likeness or form, the word form comes from the Greek word morphe. Okay. Um, and it, it means the form by which a person or thing strikes the vision. External appearance. So when we see the external appearance of Jesus, we see the heart or the essence of God. Mm. We also see the essence of a servant. Hmm. And for me to think of, uh, we, we talked about the Holy Spirit last week. And the Holy Spirit becomes our helper. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. God becomes our helper? Yeah. That is that is a crazy good thought. That God would choose to help us, that God would choose to come down to our level and help us do the kinds of things. Sure. Because I would, you know, kind of, I don't know, sometimes I get the picture that people want other people to get their act together, then they could start coming to church. And that's not what church is about. Sure. And that's not what God is about. God is not about you cleaning up your act before you could come to him. Mm. You come to him and he helps you change. Sure. He provides a helper. Yep. He serves you. He washes your feet. Man, such a good picture. All right. Well, that about wraps up what we wanted to ramble about today. Yeah. Um, we still managed to go for a solid 30-some-odd minutes. Well done, us. Hungry Pat and on all. The back. So 
uh, I, I think that just goes to show how inter- interesting this stuff is, or at least it is to us. Maybe, maybe you all are like, why do they just talk all the time about the Bible stuff? We're really just here for the shortcomings. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of those. <laughs> I mean, you know, we throw those in there too. And the jokes. I mean, obviously, you love our jokes, so that's a thing. Keep coming back for the jokes. But uh, regardless of that, we're we're gonna have a fun time in the Book of Philippians here. I'm super stoked about this series. Um, this yeah. has already just been a ton of fun. There's a great follow up to the Book of Acts. It's uh, fitting right in the right in the narrative, and uh, picking up where Paul left off. I like that. Yeah, the Apostle Paul. Writing these letters, oh man, this is tasty stuff. And then, uh, so I think it's it's good during the summer too. Feels it feels like a lighter sort of. It's a lighter a conversation lighter sort of thing, and yeah. it is joyful. It's a joyful book. Like yeah. summer feels like a lighter. It's like having a spring salad. Mm. Mm. A little bit of fruit in there. A little mm. bit. I'm not a big fruit in the salad guy. Really? No. 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 Most of the time, no. Most of the time, that's because they put small spherical fruit. What in about the salads? Craisins. I'm not a big fan of the craisins. No I'm not crazy. crazy about them. Not crazy for the craisins. I'll handle, I can handle raisins and craisins. Like, I can handle them because they're, they're deflated mm. spheres. That makes it better. I like a salad that, how, how do we get on the salad as a, this is the footnote to the footnotes. This is my analogy for uh, Philippians. Philippians is the light salad. With some craisins. <laughs> we can put the craisins in it if you really want to. It's fine. I like the natural sweetness that that fruit brings to a good salad mm. that doesn't require you to go after, you know, a salad dressing. Sure. Which I, I tend to go for more of a, a savory salad, I guess. Because mm. I want to I I put, like, cheeses on it and stuff like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Like give me a give me a sharp nutty cheese. Yeah. Or uh blue cheese. Like I would not describe blue cheese as sweet. No. Yeah. See, so most of the like I don't do the the vinaigrettes or the sweet uh the sweet salad dressings because I'm like, eh no. I want a savory salad. Savory. Mm. Mm. Give it like a good ooh, a good Caesar. We're gonna... Although Caesar does have some sugar in it. Yeah. We're gonna but... have to go grab food now because Oh my gosh. We are destroying ourselves right now. This is so <laughs> cruel. But anyway. Have a great week. We are so glad you joined us. We'll catch you next time. Bye. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more Footnotes. Footnotes.